Welcome to another episode of Hillcrest Church's new podcast called Our Stories. Our Stories podcast provides you with an opportunity to listen in on a conversation that I have with someone associated with Hillcrest Church. I'm Pastor Brad Bergfalk, interim lead pastor here at Hillcrest, and I'm delighted to have with me today Jessica Fick. Hi. Hi, hi Jess. Glad you could be with us today. Um, tell me a little bit about how you found your way to Hillcrest Church. Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, let's see. I was familiar with Hillcrest Church because I worked with Beth Severson years ago with InterVarsity, and so she told me about her wonderful congregation, and then it turned out we ended up moving here about five years ago. I was recruited by a women's ministry called Stonecroft to be a writer for them, and uh, it was sad because... Beth moved away within months of us moving here, so one of our connections here was just gone. So that was that was kind of disappointing that Beth and Mark moved away. So we had known about Hillcrest, but um, at the time we moved here, we had been part of a church plant in Cleveland, Ohio, where we lived, and so we really wanted to continue to be part of a church plant and attended one for a couple of years, and then... Um, my husband, Dave, and I just recognized for our two sons, Reuben, who's 13, and you've probably seen him with a giant mass of curls bobbing down the hallways, and then Ozzy. Uh, we started just to realize, like, they needed more for children's education. And, um, you know, church plants, um, he was the only kid in the youth group, and so we felt like that's just a critical age. So we started... Um, looking for different churches, going to a couple different ones in the area. And, the, you know, we were really trying to let it be kid-directed, you know. Um, so uh, the thing our kids said about Hillcrest was, I feel like they're teaching us about Jesus and not just entertaining us. So we were like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we want to hear that. So other churches, they felt like this feels like a production like a rock band up front. Other ones felt too clicky with the kids. And so um, so we just decided to make Hillcrest our home in the springtime of 2019. And before you came down to Kansas City for your work, um, you were living in Cleveland. And what were you doing up there? Yeah. So my husband and I both worked for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So um, he's worked for them for almost 20 years now and works for them in the state of Kansas and Northwest Missouri. Um, so in Cleveland, I was serving as a regional evangelist, and we get to travel around um, a four-state region primarily and then other parts of the country to basically lead large campus outreaches that talked about Jesus and justice, help students put their faith into action, and invite people to consider the intersection of anti-human trafficking efforts and the gospel. So, can, you, can you say a little bit more about that? Because maybe there's some people listening sure. to this that don't really know exactly what that is. Yeah, the human trafficking bit. Yes. Yeah, so human trafficking is essentially modern-day slavery, and it's an incredibly pervasive problem here in Kansas City and in large cities across the country and world. So uh, there's a modern abolitionist movement happening um, on college campuses and a lot of other places um, to help put an end to it. Okay. 
And so you you said you were an evangelist. What that conjures up all kinds of of different. I had images. slicked back hair yeah, and so alligator what, shoes. What, what did what did that look like <laughs> in in terms of your ministry with InterVarsity? Yeah, it was really fun. Basically, it meant helping students and staff members be able to articulate um, why they followed Jesus in a compelling way to tell stories about what their faith looked like to their friends and their neighbors, their roommates, um, and invite other people to discover Jesus for themselves. So sometimes that looked like, how does that happen in a conversation very naturally? Um, what are great questions you can ask people? Other times it looked like starting Bible studies um, for people who'd never cracked open a Bible. And how do you get one of those launched? Um, so it really was kind of on the very small level, training people, you know, one-to-one -one personal relationships up to, um, you know, thousands of students going out to share their faith on the campus. For those out who may be listening to this and, and when they hear the word evangelism, they they uh, their skin begins to crawl. Um, how, how would you say uh, an ordinary person could engage in evangelism and how is that, how is it different than maybe the way we used to conceive of it a number yeah. of years ago? That's a really good question. Um, I think when most people think about evangelism, they think about a transactional conversation. So meaning I share something and you buy. You buy good old Jesus. And as Christians, we're not selling anything. Jesus isn't a product. He is our friend. He's our brother. He's our guide. He's our savior. And so for the average person, it looks like just being honest enough to say, this is what my life with Jesus looks like. I was mad at my spouse the other day, and I spent some time praying, and I found that uh, the Holy Spirit was able to give me peace. Or, um, you know, there was this, this big issue in my life, and I read some scripture, and it really pointed me in the right direction. Or my church, Hillcrest, um, helped to stock a food pantry in Kansas City. And, you know, it's because I want to follow Jesus' teachings to care for the poor that I do that. So um, it's not just being a nice person. It's kind of giving giving some reason behind the hope that we have. It sounds like it's a bit more real and authentic to the, to how we live and, and how we communicate that with the people who we live with around yeah. us. Yeah. I mean, I think... Just like you would bring something up in conversation normally, it's kind of like that. And, um, you know, it doesn't have to be awkward. You don't have to quote Bible verses to people. You don't have to invite anybody to church. You just simply say, this is what my real life with Jesus looks like. And sometimes people are curious and want to learn more. And other times, you know, it'll you'll just go on in the conversation. And that's fine. Um, but it's an opportunity sometimes for people to... Um, if they are curious, it gives them an open door to say, oh, this person is actually willing to talk about this. Um, I find that when we're vulnerable and we go first, um, people feel safe and they feel comfortable opening up to us about their lives and their beliefs. Since university is primarily oriented, as I understand, towards college age students, what would you say are one or two of the sort of the deepest felt needs of um, college students in our culture today? Yeah. Oh, you know, I still, even though I don't work with college students anymore, my husband still does. And um, there's just a per pervasive loneliness 
on college campuses, increased sense of isolation, even, even before COVID hit, um, a sense of hopelessness from students and lack of connection and knowing, knowing even how to develop friendships and go to a deeper place. I think that's one of the big things. Um, and then a desire to see something beautiful. So, um, you know, students used to ask, uh, when it came to faith, is it real? So kind of the modernist slant, like prove to me Jesus is real and I'll follow him. And then it, the postmodern age shifted and it was, um, is it true? How is your, is your faith actually have a difference in your life? Now students are asking, is it beautiful? Does it make the world a better place? Um, and how can I participate? In how that? can I participate in making the world, my life, other people's lives more beautiful? So now COVID has hit, and you've um, found yourself in an unusual position of of doing a number of different things. And I'd love to explore the the creative side of what you're up to. So t- tell me a little bit about a couple of the things that you're doing now. Yeah. Well, the Lord blessed me with a 10-month sabbatical that I didn't even ask for. So I got laid off in February from the women's ministry I worked for, and this was before COVID. Um, So I found myself in the boat that many, many people found themselves in just a month later. Um, So yeah, it gave me, I've been in ministry for 20 years, and so it was a little bit like, now what? What do I, what do I do? Um, So a lot of it was honestly just resting and letting the Lord restore me, enjoying time with my kids learning how to do remote education, which was not very restful. (laughs) Um, You you and every other parent. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, that and potty training have probably been the two hardest parenting things I've ever had to do. Um, yeah. So I just, you know, I started to dream and wonder, okay, Lord, um, you love me. You love me no matter what, whether I'm in ministry or, um, you know, vacuuming hallways in my house. So, uh, how did you, how did you wire me? What what delights me? So I started just being kind of curious. Started thinking about um, the skills, gifts, and abilities I have, and dreams I've had for a long time. So one of them has been to launch a styling business um, sourced from thrift stores. So for years, my husband and I helped people find um, inexpensive, high quality. Uh, clothing through thrift stores. And people asked us so much that we thought we should just turn this into a thing and make it official. So we've been slowly launching our business called Thrift Genius, and it's uh, providing thrifted capsule wardrobes for people. And I'm going to launch a styling class teaching people how to live simply, how to shop at thrift stores, and then create uh, really versatile wardrobes from what they already have. So, so that's been fun. It's, you know, it's been really fun to have space to pursue a dream like that. That that sounds like it hits right in the niche, niche of where, um, 20 somethings would land. <laughs> yeah. Well, the great thing, um, thrift shopping has become much more acceptable and popular. In fact, I've had friends just this last week after, um, you know, some new senators came into office that female senators have been tweeting about buying clothes at thrift stores to look sharp on Capitol Hill. So, I mean, they're tweeting about it. My friends are like, did you see what what she just put out there? Um, 
people care about saving the earth and clothing production is the second highest cause of pollution in the country, in the, in the world actually. So people are starting to examine how clothing is made, how they can, um, yeah, reduce environmental impact and then save money and look good while they're doing it. So we're here to help. It's been fun. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's really interesting. Now, as we, um, find ourselves moving closer to the Christmas holiday season. Um, what are some of the, the aspects of the holidays that, that you enjoy the most? And, and if you want, you can actually tell me uh, what part of the holiday do you enjoy the least? I'm glad you asked that because when you started saying, what do you enjoy the most? My first thought was, these are the things I enjoy the least. So this is actually a very hard time of year for me. Um, because it presses all my buttons and I think it presses everybody's buttons. So it's the money thing of, um, you know, spending gifts and staying within a budget. I think that's a challenge for everybody. Um, I hate missing out on things. This year obviously is different. Um, but it typically pushes all my buttons of, I want to go see the Nutcracker and I want to take my kids for the holiday luminary walk and I want to bake cookies for all of my neighbors and then make really cool crafts. So that is my least favorite thing. So some years I actually make a do not do list to just tell myself, you can opt out of all of these things. Um, every time your brain starts spinning, you can just say, no, I'm not doing that this year. You can do it guilt free. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have to feel guilt. So, um, you know, with COVID this year, it's actually kind of nice to say there's, I'm not missing out on anything. <laughs> like everybody's missing out on every, everything. So we're all in the same boat. So, um, my favorite things about Christmas, um, actually the season of Advent is my favorite because I think it encapsulates so much of what it feels like to be a Christian as a Christian, it feels like we are waiting and longing and hoping every day, every single day for whatever it is that um, causes pain in our lives. Um, you know, whether that's a situation with a family member or personal struggles or illness or mental illness, we are all longing and waiting for the hope of restoration. And I think Advent just gives people permission to say, it's not here yet, but I can hope that Jesus is going to show up on a daily basis um, at the end of time when, when he comes back for us, um, and that there's reason to hope in the meantime. So, so Advent's my favorite, and baking Christmas cookies. I really like baking Christmas cookies. <laughs> well, if you happen to have any extra leftover, feel free to drop them Absolutely. By. Thank you, Jess, for taking the time to share your story with us this afternoon. If you have a story to tell that you think others in our congregation would like to hear, please send us an email at info at hillcrestcove.org, and we will look forward to hearing your story on a future episode of Our Stories podcast here at Hillcrest Church. I'm Pastor Brad Bergfalk, and have a great holiday season.